Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast with Randy Zinn, founder of Beyond Mom. This is a podcast dedicated to inspiration, empowerment, and confidence for women on the journey to selfhood and self-love. Get connected with our expert interviewers, soulful conversations, and deep dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers. For moms and women alike, these conversations will spark you to live the empowered life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as we go beyond. Hello there, and welcome to On Air with Beyond Mom. I'm thrilled that you are here today for another conversation that is going to be enlightening and inspiring and perfect for the woman or the mom who is growing her knowledge and her inspiration and just simply evolving as a person. Those are the kinds of conversations I like to have. And today I'm joined by Beyond Mom and friend of mine, Hope McGrath, who has been such a supporter of mine and the Beyond Mom work from the beginning. So she has a very special place in my heart. Uh, I'm going to give a little intro to her and then you're going to get the chance to hear from her directly. Hope is the founder of Radiant Mix, which we're going to hear a lot about. She's a life coach and a fashion consultant who is at her core a catalyst for change. As a multi-passionate entrepreneur, Hope McGrath combines her love of social consciousness, fashion, wellness, spirituality, arts, and culture all into her work. Her recent company and recent platform, Radiant Mix, is a lifestyle platform celebrating diversity for the mixed multiracial experience through the lens of culture, style, parenting, and storytelling. Through Radiant Mix, Hope writes about her experiences and observations as a biracial woman in America and highlights this unique perspective on diversity, race, and culture, all while opening up a dialogue and food for thought to promote anti-racism, social, with a sense of style and lightheartedness. She's a certified coach, and so you kind of always get the sense that Hope is listening deeply and she's bringing in mindfulness practices and transformational coaching into all the relationships she has. She's a Brooklyn-based mom. She's got a super cool tween, and she's the wife of a visionary artist. And for those of you who have interacted with Hope um, at any of my events or read her interview on my site, she's just kind of like one of the coolest. So hi, Hope. I'm thrilled that you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. Very excited. Yeah, so I'm excited personally to dive into this discussion. And and you have so many things that you talk about and we could talk about on this podcast. But for the sake of this conversation today, I really want to dive into the launch of your platform, Radiant Mix. I am the mom of two mixed children, two biracial children. And it's been such a personal journey for me to understand race on a whole new level level of being the mother of two biracial children, a boy and a girl, and having a husband, a black husband, I'm white Jewish, and understanding where this world collides and everything in our culture and 
this conversation can be an intense one. It can be a beautiful one. And I personally really value having friends like yourself, a beautiful, open-hearted, biracial woman who is talking about this because I feel like I need to continue to evolve into this conversation, which makes me think that so do my listeners. So I'll start with that. And I will let you roll with what is Radiant Mix? Tell us about your journey and why are you doing this work now? Well, Radiant Mix was really started as just a lifestyle platform and a blog for me to really talk about mixed race identity in in a way that I felt needed to be shared. And it really all started many, many years ago. I wanted to talk about race from a mixed race perspective, but I didn't do it because I was scared that I would hurt my family. I would hurt my friends because I'm mixed. My mother's Italian and German Jewish and my father's African from Burundi and lots of big family. I have a huge big Italian side and lots of friends of all different cultures. And I didn't want to hurt people's feelings, so I didn't write. And I think what happened was, now that we have this new president and the politics that were coming out of the White House was just making me really, really angry. And so I felt, you know what, my voice really needs to be heard because I have a unique perspective when you're both black and white in America, and you can talk about race in a different way, and people will, it softens it a little bit when you are mixed. So... Maybe it's a little easier for people to understand. Maybe with my stories and the stories of other people who are multiracial and biracial, maybe their stories could help ease the racial tension in America. So that is really why I launched Radiant Mix. But at the same time, because I come from a fashion background and a wellness background, I wanted to also include wellness and style into the platform. So give it lightheartedness and fun at the same time. That's amazing. I, there's like all of these things that I want to kind of like dive into that you said. One is the fear of hurting people. Can you share like what that meant to you? Because I think that there's something there for everyone to learn from in terms of where we let ourselves go or don't go. Well, yes. I mean, first of all, I don't want to hurt my family's feelings by talking about race and talking about white people and their reactions to race. And my mother felt the same way, which is why she hasn't written her autobiography because she doesn't want to hurt her family's feelings about race and you know what it was like for her to marry an African man in the 60s, which is like absolutely unheard of back in those days. So I didn't want to hurt friends' feelings, which I already have by writing on Radiant Mix, and I actually feel like I've lost a friend due to um, bringing up race, a childhood friend. So yes, because when you're talking about race as a woman that even though I am mixed, I look to the outside world as a black woman. So just kind of like Obama. People call Obama the black president, but he's really a biracial president. And it's the same way. So when you look at me, I appear black. So that's how I live my life here in America. And then when you're talking to friends about race, it's really touchy. It's very touchy. So I've lost friendships by talking about it and writing about it. Wow. That's intense. I mean, so it does like the hurt part happen because you explain how, like, let's just say something felt to you and then you know, someone says, oh, but I never meant it that way, but that's how it felt. Like, were there sort of miscommunication on the experience of it? Total miscommunication. Interesting. I wrote an article on the blog about, do we talk to our friends about race? 
And in that, I share a complete and utter miscommunication where after spending a lifetime of keeping my mouth shut and not saying things, when I saw bias or when I saw unjust comments or actions, now that I'm in my older age, I'm like feeling like, hey, I want to express myself. I'm not going to shut up anymore. So when I mention something or call out something that someone will say, then that could be a problem if someone is not, isn't ready to hear it or takes it the wrong way. So for example, I didn't know that there's something called white fragility that I didn't even know about. A friend of mine told me to read this article, this professor coined this phrase on white fragility and what that really is, kind of like white people in America feel they're talking about race is very fragile. So you don't want they, and it's very a touchy subject, and they don't want to ever be accused of being racist. So there's like, they, they work so hard to be, a lot of people, not all obviously, a lot of people work so hard to be universal and accepting, but not realizing the depth of racism. So there's this white fragility that is a coined phrase that I think that's the reason why I didn't know that, but that's the reason why I've had fear about telling my stories and sharing other mixed race stories because of that white fragility where then people will get upset, friends and family, then they think that I think they're bad people. That's not the case. We're just talking about race. Right. Yeah, I get that. And I think even though myself, I'm not biracial, but I think you sort of become biracial when you have biracial children by sort of <laughs> default of the experience and, you know, being the mother. It's a very interesting dialogue. And I do understand exactly what you're referring to in terms of that fear of saying something wrong. So you sort of pretend like it's not a subject at all. I've experienced that myself I'm in relation to my children, where it's almost like, you know, the claim is made of like, you know, we don't see color. And I really disagree with that as a concept because I think it's more than okay to see color. In fact, acknowledging color or any other difference between yourself and anyone else is actually the opening of real compassion because it's in the differences where you can find connection. And I think the pretending like it's all the same is actually sort of counterproductive. Well, I 100% agree with you. And that particular concept is why I feel like I lost a friend. Yeah. Because of that. Because I disagreed with the concept of you cannot pretend your kids are colorblind. Right. It's not possible. And because we all have color, we all see color. And yes, to go around and pretend that your skin color is different from your kids, it's not based on reality. Right. My mother is white and I look black. You know, it's not based on reality, the fact that we can look the same. In fact, everyone thought I was adopted my whole life. Where does she come from? You know, and so it is important for us to acknowledge our differences. And that is my point. That's why there's so much racism still in America, because there's so much dialogue on difference. And we want to just acknowledge it so we can realize how to bring everyone together. Because without acknowledging it, then it just keeps on perpetuating. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I do. I mean, yes, there's so much there. Keep going, Hope. Like, just keep talking more about, like, all of this. Just go. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying that I feel like it's really important in our society to kind of share and to really talk about why these things happen. For example, I have my mixed niece and this happened also to one of my best friend's daughters, who I did write an article about this too, how they, if they wear, one of the girls wore cornrows, and she's mixed, but she has blonde hair and looks white, but she's mixed. 
and she received a lot of bullying on Instagram for a picture of herself with blonde hair and cornrows. Oh, you think you're black? Or you and these kind of that happened to her. She was very distraught. She's a teenager. My mixed niece was treated so poorly by black kids in her class because they don't think she's black. That she's too light. Is she down with hip hop? She thinks she's all that. So all these different things, there's colorism, there's race. And a lot of these things happened to me when I grew up in Long Island in predominantly white schools. There's a lot of segregation and when I was growing up and the black girls wouldn't really wouldn't want to associate with me because I thought I was quote unquote too white. And then I was never really allowed to feel myself because all my friends were all white. Right. There's the difference. Like, but when you're mixed, you are not one thing. You're many things. So you're going to see with your children when you raise them, they're Jewish, but they're also African-American, right? Or is your husband Caribbean or where is he from? No, no, he's African-American. All right. So there's two dramatically different cultures and they're going to be both. And they're going to be able to flow seamlessly between both because it's who they are. And I think that unique perspective is what I'm sharing on Radio Mix. You know, it's like the first thing that comes to my mind is that I'm just grateful you're doing it, Hope, because I hope that as my children are growing up that this fluidity, so to speak, between worlds is something that's less painful than, you know, what you've experienced and others. I'm curious if you've seen the documentary The Loving Generation by Lacey Schwartz. Of course. Of course. She's actually, I know, she's actually from my hometown, as a matter of fact. Oh, I watched her documentary, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from my hometown, and I've yet to meet her in person, but we have, like, a million mutual people. Me, too. I've been friends with her, too. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, we'll have to hang out with her one day. So why should non-biracial families be aware of this stuff and thinking about this stuff, too? You know, that's a good question, and... All I can say is I don't know because normally people care about what they can connect with. But I can say that my friends who are white who follow Radiant Mix, this is what they really got a lot out of. So I'll tell you a story. Really, it's about learning about race. That's really it. How to just look at it in a different way. So a friend of mine has a tween son and we got together at an event and she goes, oh, I have to tell you this. I'm so embarrassed. But my son, she, we were talking about Prince, the artist, one day. And he was like, you know what? Prince is black, but he's not black, black. And she was like, I almost stopped dead in my tracks because she read an article that I wrote on Radiant Mix called She's Black, But Not Black, Black. And that's a story that I wrote about when I was working in fashion years ago, a designer client of mine described me that way to somebody. And so she was like, I read your article. And then my son said that. I was like, oh my God, she thought of me. And then she was able to stop, pause, Ask her son, so why do you think, you know, Prince is black, but not black, black? Is it because he's not a hip-hop artist? What what are these reasons, right? They were able to have dialogue. She was able to have a learning, a teachable moment with him. And they were able to go in depth about race and skin tone and culture. And I was so happy. I was so thrilled that she shared that with me because that's the point of Radiant Mix. It's not really about also you know, talking about the stories, but it's also helping people look at race in a different way and offering teachable moments to your friends, family, and your society. And the fact that she was able to do that with her son made me very happy and brought joy. 
That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's also worth noting, Hope, like you and I both have people in our life who are mixed race, but not black and white. And I'm sure that some of the issues or questions are the same, except that there's definitely something about the black-white mix that's more charged in our country. But I'm curious what you have to say about you know, mixed, let's say, Asian and white or Latino and white, you know, where do you see the similarities and the differences? Yes, I think that, again, I can't speak from the Blasian perspective, from the Blackskin perspective, or even the white age. There's so many mixes, right? I can't speak personally from those, but having friends from all nationalities, whether it's Japanese and German, or whether it's like Irish and or Asian, or even Korean and African, whatever, there's all these different mixes. And I think that a lot of these mixed kids, the issues they have are universal. Number one, I don't belong. It's a false belief. Where they go, they feel they don't belong because they're not one or the other. And they have to navigate where they fit in. They will navigate that over time. There's other issues of having to explain yourself all the time. So everyone will say to all mixed people, no matter what nationality, oh, where are you from? Oh, really? Oh, who are you? Oh, what do you look like? Oh, really? Like, oh, that's interesting. Or they start labeling you. So this is a universal perspective for mixed kids across all, all cultures and diversity. So I think that there's a lots of benefit to being mixed because, as I said before, you have this universal way of looking at life and culture and you kind of blend between cultures and you have an understanding of race from a different perspective and at the same time you have these universal things where everyone is like where are you from who are you it's going on right now with the crazy rich asian movie yes, and yes. The, the star henry golding is half british and everyone's freaking out that he's not asian enough it's like the same issues with him who's half british and asian and there's another actress on there who is Italian and Asian, but she was raised in Taiwan, and people are considering her not Asian enough. And it's all because when you have one culture, people want to hold on to that one culture and be proud of that. So let's say, for example, many people in the Asian culture are very proud of their culture, wherever they're from, whether it's China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, there's a very unique culture that they're very proud of. So then to have someone mixed, starring in a show representing them, it seems not authentic enough to certain people. And so then these Asian actors have to stand up for themselves and say, no, I am Asian. I am, even though I'm mixed, I was born in Malaysia. I was born in Taiwan. I am enough. That's the point. They're trying to say, I am enough to star in an all Asian cast, even though I'm British dad, right? Or I think it's a universal thing of us who are mixed trying to share with the world, we are enough, even if we're not good enough for a certain culture that wants a 100%, you know, culture. You know, I can't help but feel like there's something in the human condition where we can't help but want to organize people. Like, exactly. organize, you know, organize or categorize, if you will. Right. So, for example, if you're mixed, more likely or not, you can spot a mixed person a mile away. Right. But if you're not mixed, you're wondering, that person looks very interesting. Where are they from? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then people feel like they can just be like, oh, where are you from? Who are you? What are you? And they think that's okay to just ask that or do those kind of things. 
and annoys a lot of mixed people, trust me. Yeah, again, just as a mom, like I don't say it loosely, but I do feel like as a mom of mixed children, you become a little mixed (laughs) because before your kids are speaking for themselves, you're speaking for them. So, you know, when I get the questions of like, I remember when my son was little and somebody was like, oh, he's really tan. (laughs) I was like, yes, he is. He has a great tan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I think for you, maybe it's not so mild. Maybe it's not so bad compared to it was when my mother had me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you get a lot of racist comments? You know, I don't. I have to be honest with you. And granted, I live in the bubble of New York City. So... Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's much better. I don't know what it is. And and my husband and I have talked about it. I almost at once in a blue moon, people will say, are they yours? You know, or is he or she yours? Once in a blue moon, you know, for the most part, people pretty much know very clearly they're mine. And I like to think it's because actually, despite the fact that their skin is a little darker than mine, they actually kind of do look like me. But besides that, I think I just carry myself with the clear confidence that I am most definitely their mother. So I don't think like anyone generally questions that. But I don't know. You know, it's a funny thing, Hope, because there's a really fine line. Like, and I'll play devil's advocate for like a second just because I think it's good to have good dynamic conversation. I think sometimes curiosity is okay. And I don't think it's always bad for people who don't completely understand something to ask questions. And sometimes I find myself thinking that if people were allowed or felt more comfortable to ask questions in a kind way, like not in a way that, you know, makes anyone feel badly, so to speak. But if you're like, where are you from? And what is your background? And like that there is, I don't want to say an exoticism about it, but that people can dialogue clearly and comfortably about who they are and where they come from. Well, the thing that I don't think that that's quote, bad. But I think that what has happened is that it has gone into the territory of like, over categorizing and exotifying people. So people who are mixed feel like it's a constant thing and a constant question. They can't just be who they are. I think that there's a fine line. And I do want to say that I think a healthy balance is for people to be allowed to ask questions and get to know you. And if there's a genuine curiosity, I don't think it's bad. Right. I totally get that. You can say it's not bad, but to mixed people, it's annoying. Yeah. So it's sure. not bad. It's yeah. just annoying. Because yeah. no matter where you go, there's the question. And the thing is, it's not really about people getting to know you. Right. They don't care about who you are, like how your life is, what things you're interested in. They see you and they want to categorize you. Right. That's what I'm talking about. So it's not really about like them wanting to get to know you. Yeah. It's more like I see you, you're exotic. Where are you from? I need to know. And they're like, Oh, okay, bye. They just had to put you in a box and then walk away. And so it's not a bad thing. I understand being open to curious because that's what I'm wanting to do is open dialogue. But I'm just saying to mixed people, it's really annoying. I think that's such a valid point. And I'll just kind of like restate it in a sentence so that, you know, people listening to this podcast can be like, okay, you know, how can I think about this in my own way? And also, how can I educate my children to be curious and compassionate at the same time? And I think what we're saying is that when you're getting to know a human being, 
genuine curiosity for who they are is a wonderful thing. But when you see somebody and they look different than you and you just want to categorize them and just start firing out questions, it can feel pretty annoying and like uncomfortable. So Exactly. That's the point. Okay. That's the point. And the other real thing I want to really share with parents and raising their kids, which is a big thing, is that, you know what? Pretending we're colorblind is not okay. Just what we said before. So it's perfectly fine for our kids to look at their friends and all their friends' different skin complexions and acknowledge that difference when they do talk about it, because they talk about it when they're little, you know? And then also when they get older, they see their friends of different cultures. Maybe someone's Latina. Maybe they're Asian. Maybe they're African-American. Maybe they're Caribbean. Maybe they're African. Maybe they're whatever, wherever they're from, it's okay because those skin colors sometimes lead to different cultures that are really interesting. So I think that's really what I want to share with parents is helping them promote their children to expand their mind and not just stay in one bubble. Like, this is my crowd and I'm going to stick to it. Like, it's okay to expand their world, especially where we live in New York City, but people outside of the city, it's more challenging sometimes to go and experience different cultures outside of your comfort zone. But I think when I have friends that come to me that are white and come to me, this has happened to me, in near tears, upset that their kids say racist things and what can they do to change the situation? And I'll say, you know what? Hang out with people that are different cultures. Hang out with them. Or go to special events that are different cultural backgrounds to celebrate different cultures. And maybe try to becoming friends with people of different cultures. So if they see you as the parent befriending someone that's a different culture from you, it's then acceptable and universal and it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I think that comes back to your original statement, which is that the whole colorblind thing is kind of like a setup for failure, I think. Total. Total. Yeah. And even like the whole thing of, you know, oh, don't refer to someone based on, you know, what they look like. Well, just as you said, children in their very innocent state do that. They refer... Yes. And I don't think that it's wrong per se. I think like this is how children see the world. And I think if you shut down, you know, what they see and what they say, then you're already creating the atmosphere for otherness. And yeah, I really feel that. I had a moment when my son was little that like completely sticks in my mind where there was, you know, a family in our building and the children were playing and one of the children who was like four or five years old made a comment that was clearly innocent because four and five year olds are not racist, but it was something she clearly heard. And it was troubling because she heard it somewhere. And I thought to myself, you know, if I were the parent and my child said that, I would want to know so that I could have a good discussion with my child, like so that I had an opportunity. So I called the parent and I said, listen, this is nothing against your daughter. Your little girl is not, you know, clearly is just repeating something. But I thought maybe you might want to know about it so you could talk to her. And I was met with the most awkward, weird, shut down energy. And 
basically with the statement that their family doesn't see color. And I learned something from that interaction that, you know, the not seeing color can completely shut down an educated discussion. And that's sad to me. It is sad. And that is what happens all the time, which is why I think these dialogues are so important because for generations and generations after like, you know, civil rights or something, maybe people be like, oh, we don't see color. You know, black people in America have their rights and Asian people have rights and everyone is fine, you know? But look what's happening in our society. Yeah. Look what's happening with immigration. Look what's happening with Latino culture. And it's just, and uh, Black Lives Matter and all these things. And I'm really clear to talk about this is what I'm talking about is in America. Because if you go to Europe or other third world countries, the racial dynamic and the colorism dynamic is very different. So it mixes really just talking about American culture. Yeah. And I think it's wise to hone in on, you know, where you live and what you can really speak to. One more question before we tell everybody like how they can kind of be part of this with you. A little bit of a selfish question here, but what do you think the difference is for boys and girls navigating this mixed territory? That's such an interesting question. I think it's so individual. I don't think it's based on male or female, because I can say my brothers and I all had dramatically different experiences, and it's not because we're male or female. It's where we live and who our friends are. Interesting. I mean, this is my personal experience. So... I can say that, you know, one brother, all his friends are white or Asian. Another brother, he told me high school was cool because he had a bunch of mixed friends and then all his friends ended up being black. We all went to the same high school, but in my school, all the black kids rejected me and I was only friends with white kids. So we all three of us had totally different experiences, even though, but my brothers who are black got pulled over by the police all the time in Long Island. All kinds of bad stuff happened because they're males. There's the difference. Whereas I'm a woman and I didn't get into trouble. I mean, but if my brother was sitting in Long Island with his white girlfriend in the 90s by the beach, he almost got arrested, I think, or got pulled over because he was black sitting with his white girlfriend. So I think it's more like the black male, black lives matter thing. That could be the issue for black mixed people. If you're Asian and white, then your experience is totally different. You know, or if you're another mixed race blend, it's completely different. So I think that for me, I see it as more as individual rather than gender. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I've heard different opinions on that. Uh huh. You know, I've heard some people say, oh, you know, boys, if they're mixed, are black, you know, in the eyes of American culture. And girls, it depends. It kind of depends on... I guess how dark they are. It depends on what they sort of personally embody. It it kind of has a little bit more variance to it. This is just what I've heard and, and, you know. I think I misunderstood the original question because when you're talking about how people are perceived when they're mixed, whether they're black or white, I do not think it makes a difference in my personal opinion. Again, every person who is biracial or multiracial has their own unique experience. Yeah. And so I cannot speak on their behalf. I can only speak from my experience and people that I know. And that is that whether you're mixed, how people perceive you is based on skin color and skin features. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one of my friends who is mixed and then, again, then married a woman 
who has now mixed kids. He's mixed, but he married a white, white Jewish woman. And now they have a daughter who's blonde and looks like what they would call, quote, unquote, passing for white. Mm-hmm. Her experience is totally different than mine, but we're both mixed. Right. Right? So people look at me as a black woman, straight up. That's what I appear to be in America. I look Ethiopian. I look Dominican, something like that. But to her, they would never, ever, ever think she's black. It's just depending on how you turn out, right? Right. No, 100%. It all depends what your skin color is, what your hair color is. It all depends on all that and how people perceive you. So whether you can pass, they call it passing, you know, whether you can pass to be white is one thing, or you can pass it all. It's all depending on how people perceive you. You can click other, you could check other in that box. You could check whatever that you want in those census forms, but it really all depends on how you see yourself and how people see you. Like for me, my daughter who's second generation mixed is much lighter than me, but she's still not white because she has a tan. She has a tint to her skin. So she would never be considered white, even though she's like second generation mixed and has more white family than she does black. It's just because of her skin color. So I think, and in America, that's how people judge you. Right. Right. You know, so it's all based on that, really. Hmm. That's sad. It's sad. It is sad. And, you know, it's interesting because my husband, who is a darker-skinned black man, from the go of our relationship was very clear that, you know, we needed to instill Judaism in our children, like, really actively from go because they were going to be viewed as one thing by the outside world. And if they didn't have that other part of themselves really developed – you know, it would be harder to access it and harder to, you know, say, no, I'm also this. And we're lucky, you know, we're really lucky to have a lot of support in doing that. And our rabbi is a woman who, again, very lucky to have been raised in a family that was also mixed in many ways. And she has black siblings and it's an amazing opportunity. And so she gets it more deeply than I think others would. And it's, she imparted upon me knowledge when, you know, my children were coming into the world, which was that, you know, children actually understand their spiritual selves before their racial selves. And if you can instill some of that understanding from a very young age, like that can never be lost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really believe that that's true for every human being and particularly for mixed race person. It's important to build that foundation. And I think you are so blessed to have that rabbi. Yeah. And to have that spiritual place for your kids and for that deep understanding. That's amazing. I know. Pretty lucky. Pretty lucky. I was raised in all Catholic school, the whole shebang. So it was like me and like one other black girl, like my whole life. So my life was totally different than that. But I think that if I was raised in, I think if I was raised in a spiritual home where I was accepted and it was like cool to be, you know, who you are, it would be a much better experience. So it sounds like your kids are going to have an amazing experience with their spiritual life. Well, we hope so. And I mean, I think my kids will because of people like you, Hope, who are actually speaking and actually finally writing about these things and talking about it with an honest 
loving, compassionate voice. And that's what it's all about. So I do want to congratulate you on launching this platform because I think it'll be well received. I really do. Thank you so much. And I thank you for the opportunity just to talk about it. I mean, I think um, these are difficult conversations, but I think if we just have continue to have dialogue, I think our world will just be a much better place and more understanding, more compassion, you know? Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, So tell us where we can find Radiant Mix um, in the world. Okay. Well, if you'd like to check out more information, it's at radiantmix.com. So please feel free to check out the website to click on um, the box. You can sign up for the Radiant Mix newsletters. You can hear from us. And I also launched an Instagram at Radiant Mix. So check that out. We're just launching it so we could use as many followers and support as we can on that. And therefore, you can just stay in tune with what we're up to. And it would be great. Awesome. And yeah. also, Hope, I know, again, the coaching uh, part of you, or all of you, also yeah. has some really amazing things coming up. So why don't you share a bit about that with our listeners today? Okay. Well, listeners from Beyond Mom, I'm happy to let you know that I am hosting a wellness retreat. It's called the Tropical Transformation Wellness Retreat in Colombia, beautiful tropical resort there in November, November 7th to the 12th. So if you are dying to get back to the beach and you love tropical experience and you kind of really want to take some time for some self-care and really need to time to rejuvenate and unwind. We have an incredible wellness retreat with my co-curator, Rashia Bell, who's a crystal healer and interior designer. So what we're going to do there is we're going to do some meditations and crystal healing. And we're having a, we're hosting a spiritual ceremony called the Tesmaka. We're having a shaman come in to do this like Mayan sweat lodge, which is super cool. And we'll have some daily excursions to sacred pools and mindful hiking in the tropics and all kinds of amazing stuff in this luxury nature resort. So if you're interested, I have a special offer for Beyond Mom listeners, and it's going to be 20% off of our retreat. So I will tell Randy to provide all that information for you. Amazing. That's so generous. And I'm sure some Beyond Moms are like, uh, yeah, please sign me up. It's going to be amazing. It sounds it. So thank you for that, Hope. And again, thank you for joining us for this conversation today. I feel like I grew a little more through it. And I hope that listeners did as well and realize that These kinds of conversations are the key to growth, and I hope that you'll find how to have them more and definitely how to follow Radiant Mix so that you can continue to evolve this part of your understanding. So Hope, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So happy to be here. And for all of you who want more Beyond Mom in your life, I also urge you to head over to the Beyond Mom website, drop your email into our newsletter pop-up and or at the bottom of the main page, I believe is where it's located. And when you receive the newsletters, you will never miss an announcement. You will find out about our upcoming retreats, our upcoming events, all of our content, our podcasts. It's the one way to not miss a beat in the Beyond Mom world. So thank you and continue to take amazing care of you. It's the best gift you can give yourself. Bye.